0: Well, you know, we've
1: uh, and we have been at it for a while now. Uh, and and came across this. I thought we would do a short one on uh, the issue of following your heart, as opposed to those who say not just follow your head, but critical thinking. Right. So those are the two kind of methods that we find in Western society as almost a duality. the teachings of the Buddha is different from both of those and here is why following your heart is the same thing as following your instinct which is the same thing as following the automatic pilot or our genes so this is actually the lowest level now this is also the level of sensation in the sense of sensory awareness and as part of being alive But when we are, in fact, following what we mean by our heart, which actually is more instinctual in the sense of looking for what we want, then we're not really paying attention to the senses of the body anyway, like we were talking about understanding the barometric pressure when it drops. Because we're sensually aware. Because people who are following their heart is just actually going around trying to get what they want. Yeah,
2: I think... What the person that I had brought up didn't mean it like that at all. <laughs> I don't think that's. It was not like. How, how that. did he mean it then?
0: Um.
2: I mean, I think it's. I think it's meaning, living in a non-dualistic way. You know, living equally externally as you do internally. You know, living through your body in awareness of your body and not stuck in, you know, looping thought patterns.
1: Okay, all right. So, one of the ways some people talk about it is follow your intuition. Right. Intuition, in some cases, can be magical thinking. And sometimes the intuition is actually sensations and knowledge that we have that we're actually capable of processing and coming to this conclusion.
0: But we don't know how we got there.
1: It either got processed too fast or too short or had a, okay, and that we're not mindful enough to know the process that we went through to get where where we're going anyway. And this is what I mean by instinctual is that we go we kind of jump to a conclusion okay which is different from thinking our way through things with what we now call critical thinking all right which is actually at its best and highest regard uh, uh philosophy is to keep thinking your way and eventually you get out of that wet paper bag that we created just to check that can we think our way out of a wet paper bag. Uh, so in that regard, that's the highest quality of it, but that this is where we get caught in and, in, and one of the groups is like computer scientists and engineers and, and uh, many scientists or whatever like that, you get caught into that all critical thinking. I think in fact, Construction engineers are the worst. <laughs> 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 <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and, and so. Um, what the teaching of the Buddha is. Is to begin to wake up to this dual process. That's going on. This critical thinking. That in fact. Is uh, based upon. Uh, a set of rules, a set of laws, a set of way things should be done, which is what the Buddha talks about in the sense of sila Bhatta paramasa, is that we set standards. But the problem really comes is that when we apply these high standards to ourselves and become critical of ourselves, rather than nurturing, and this is the standard dialogue that Eric uh, Burns is so famous for is the critical parent and the and the and the child who is either going to submit, rebel, or feel guilty. That's the way that it, that that, that is taught. And what the parent needs to do for this child is to start to nurture the child and let the child feel okay. And how we're going to do that is this third element, the, the adult, the frontal cortex, is to wake up with the kind of thoughts that we have and look at how we feel when we have those thoughts. Is the way that the Buddha would talk about it. Okay. So in fact, we can <clears throat> we can we can do it in this sense of think, feel is a cycle that we get caught in, which whatever one is dominant, doesn't matter. The problem is, is that we're caught in a cycle of think, feel, think, feel, and we need to see that, begin to change it. Make some changes to it, to see fit so that we can begin to feel the way that we could feel if we could feel the way that we wanted to feel, rather than feel the way that we talked ourselves into feeling.
2: Yeah, yeah. As I understood the way that they they use this specifically, um, is just, you know, exactly what you were saying. Being open to situations, right? And not using thoughts to be like, this is what's happening right now and I have to do something about it, you know? Yeah. Like, just being open, you know, to what's happening and, and actual reality, you know? Right. Well,
1: to be open, as you say, requires something. And that is to remember to be open, which means to remember to look. And so now we're back on the April Noble Path. OK, mm-hmm. to be open. I like that phrase because it's about, what, a quarter of the April Noble Path right there.
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, Absolutely. Yeah, and uh, the same thing, though, I was hearing the same thing from an author that I found that I really love, George Saunders. I don't know if you know who he is, but he's a fantastic author, I cannot recommend enough. Um, but he said the same thing with, like, thinking about, like, writing stories and stuff. It's like, you know, we get so worked up with the story and we start to hate it. We start to hate ourselves. But it's like, if you're just able to be open to the story and let it tell you what, where to take it, that it's like you can start taking it very interesting places. In the same way that in a conversation like you don't want to be coming into like a conversation being like i'm going to say x y and z like at these certain times you know but to be open to what happens mm-hmm. you know in the moment the same thing and then okay. the same thing with like personal relationships or whatever like like dealing with people and you know people are telling you things like just being open and for them you know? well
1: there is another quality about that that's, that's valuable to look at in the sense of the Dhamma. And that is, is that many people, when they start to practice on the Panasati or the Goenka method or the Noting method or any of these practices of meditation and start to look at what's going on and see how critical they are of themselves, they immediately get even more critical. Oh, you should not let the mind wander away from the breath. Right. Okay, and then we begin to feel bad because we're being critical of being critical,
0: <clears throat>
1: or are becoming absent-minded or whatever like that. But being open has a different quality to it. It has actually a nurturing quality. That in fact I can see that the mind wanders away. Without getting angry at myself, because I've had some rule: thou shalt not let the mind wander away. <laughs> <clears throat> and so I like that phrase, open. Mm-hmm. That's why we call it the Open Sangha Foundation, by the way. I like that whole, that whole concept of, of open, which means friendly. The doors are open, they're not locked. Now, actually being open, if we if we plan it wrongly, like upside down or whatever, that he becomes so open that all of his brains bleak out. And then he becomes empty-headed. Well, if the brains are also meaning that critical mind state that we're in, then that may not be such a bad thing, after all, as to become empty-headed. So wow. that'd be, you know, get some space, open up in between the ears. Wow. <laughs> Having some emptiness within, which is what the Buddha would talk about. Now, that's open. is <laughs> <It's> empty. <laughs>
2: The same thing. I saw this <laughs> show that also like related this to guitar playing. That like, do you do you know Captain Beefheart, by any chance? They're like the rock band from the seventies. Captain, Captain Beefheart. Beefheart. Yeah. No, I He's don't like, think so. Yeah, he was kind of ridiculous, um, like just really ridiculous kind of music, like really out there, you know. Um, he he wrote the Ten Commandments of guitar playing, um, which um, are just like very humorous like the first one is listen to the birds they know everything <laughs> or something like that uh, but that's not of...
1: ridiculous at all that's actually true <laughs> because at least they know how to get in tune most guitar players don't <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah but one of them was was perfect it was like if you're using your head you're not doing it right like if you're thinking it's not right you know but I you know and that has just helped me so much. Um but I do think that like the the best is somewhere in between. You know, just using a little bit, you know, a little bit of thought, like overlay it, then go into it, you know? Like so I feel like this giving some thought, having like structuring things, you know, and like every once in a while, like I don't know. I think that there's there's something to be said for it. You know what I mean? But like keeping it for the most part. Um mm-hmm.
1: Um, well, perhaps what we mean there then is is that most people get into a think, feel, think, feel cycle, and what we're talking about is to open that up and add perhaps see to see, think, feel, and then see what you feel so that you can think better, okay? And so, feel, uh, see, feel, think is what we're actually talking about here, this is mindfully waking up and doing the investigation which in Eric Burns' language would be to bring the adult in rather than having it all between the child and the parent. Yeah. Which is, I know, is a metaphor. Parent, adult and child and the ego, superego and id, those are metaphors. They're not realities. But at (laughs) least it's a language that we can understand things in. These sequences of how we go through. You can go with it with neurology also in the sense of the uh, anterior cortex, the mammalian brain or the temporal cortex, and then the frontal cortex. I mean, they've already been dividing it up like this all along the possum. In fact, one of the ways that we can talk about it, if this was in the old days, they would say that people only use 10% of their brain. Now, any neurologist would say that's not the case. But what we can say is, is that people use their full brain about only ten percent of the time, mm-hmm. and the rest of the time they're stuck in two, you know, in second gear <laughs> <All right. laughs> of think, feel, think, feel, think, feel, without it seeing what's going on. Absent-minded behavior, all of that kind of stuff. Uh, losing your keys because you set them down on the way to something and you weren't watching what you were doing. Or another example would be having an automobile accident. Why? is people are not watching what they're doing. They're thinking and feeling and eating and, you know, on cell phones and all of that kind of stuff. They're not watching what, where they're going. And this is the basic teaching of the Buddha. I think the Buddha Data really rubbed this in with me. Look at what you're doing.
2: <laughs> yeah. Easier said than done. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Uh, well, it's easy to
2: do when you remember to do it. Yeah.
1: And I only have to say it occasionally. But I have to remember to do it often. Uh, this is the repetitive nature of it. that We have to remember to look at what we're doing. Remember to open up. Remember to be open. Remember to see. Remember to uh, put some space in there. This is the teaching of the Buddha. This is the Sati. This is the uh, Eightfold Noble Path, in fact, that we actually have to take that effort to wake up and look at what's going on and start making some changes, putting some space in there, adding the extra ingredients that are needed so that it's not this two that are tangled together this critical mind and the uh, uh, the rebellious child who wants to follow his heart, but he can't because he's on this leash.
2: Yeah. <clears throat> it's, it's, it's the same thing, because it's <laughs> when you're stuck in the pattern, that's when you're most sure, you know, of what you're doing is right, or, or you know, it could be, you know, you're, you could be hating yourself, but you're absolutely sure you're on point and that you're not wrong. But because it's like, you're like, yes, I know this for a fact, you know. But um, when you're open, it's the question. (laughs) Well,
1: actually, when we open, we begin to see that the uh, assuredness was false because it, in fact, had confusion in it. And the confusion was there because we did not see what we could have seen if we were looking. But we refuse to book. Just like people who will get stuck on just one network and watch Fox News over and over and over again, getting completely indoctrinated without being able to look around to see that that's not the only voice in their head. And the only voice in their head is the only voice that they hear on their television or whatever. So um, it's the same thing, though. Opening up means to be able to
0: change the channel.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And one of the channels that we can change it to is listening like a musician. Rather than thinking his way through the guitar like you were talking about. Okay. Another channel is with the eyes. To be able to open the eyes and to gaze and to see. and uh, others is what we were talking about uh, another channel is the bodily sensations that receive all kinds of data and have since birth, but we learn to ignore it. We kind of learn to ignore bodily sensations because we don't like them. I mean, when we were really little kids, we didn't like anything that touched. We didn't like to fall down. We didn't like a needle. Now I can have a nurse put a needle in my arm and and feel good about it and no problem at all. But for a long time, I would fight with them and then they couldn't find the vein and they wound up bruising the arm because I was afraid of it. That's what happens with us. But when we can see that I was causing the problem by being afraid of the needle, then I could relax and then she could find one easy. Then having blood drawn now, <laughs> nothing to do it. But I have actually fainted having blood drawn before. <laughs> I mean, I've gone all the way down that rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> and we do that with fear. We're afraid of things because we're very sensitive as children, and so we wind up being afraid of all kinds of things as children. So when we we're adults, we're either tough enough with the body that we have now as an adult body, or we're tough enough with the mind to handle it. So what we do is we close off and don't want to feel anything because we, don't, we think that feeling is painful rather than extremely pleasurable, to feel the experience of the hands together. That is actually a very interesting feel. The puppy has done some major issues with the arm here. I don't know if you can see them. Uh, Yeah, I can see Yeah, okay, so you can see some of them There's quite a lot But it's an interesting sensation To play with as a toy Instead of scratching and not liking it So I put bomb on And I experiment I have even put wintergreen to see what that feels like And all kinds of things Just as a new toy to play with While these uh, things heal so we begin to see things like that with the body as, um, as toys to play with. That One of the things that I do, uh, and in fact, it's already past time because when the weather changes like this that we've been talking about, the mosquitoes come out. They haven't quite come out yet. I think it's a little too early for them. It's only 3.30 now, but they'll be out really soon, and I know it. But I'll wait until they actually say hello with a bite. Normally, they go for the feet. so that's something to to know about and to and to know that 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 happens and so we can begin to uh, uh, enjoy the body rather than seeing it as a source of pain
2: no yeah i've been doing yoga like starting a practice of yoga too so that's that yoga,
1: that's a really excellent thing. I mean, that's all aging and everything, you know, and it gets people in touch with their body, learning to stretch it and push it in this big direction and that direction and all of that. So there's many, many different ways to get this sensational awareness. One is through yoga. Another one is through body scanning. Another is the fat, but lazy Buddha approach. Just sit there and experience what the body is doing and having a ball at it. <laughs> 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 it's almost better than eyesight in a way because it's, it's three three dimensional. That's one of the techniques that I learned from Achan Poe, that uh, which is the same thing as the Zen stick. That is, who does the Zen master hit with the Zen stick? Well, the person who's falling asleep. The one who is not awake, to not the one who doesn't know that the Zen master is there, the one who is either in something asleep like deep Jhana or something like that, but he's not a paying attention to what's going on. And so those students who know that the uh, that the uh, Zen master is there, are the ones he don't hit. This ideally. is the trick that I've ch- Pardon. Is that ideally?
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> well you can always let the Zen master know you're there by changing your posture slightly, that's what they're looking for that almost always if you know the Zen master are you're going to just sit up just a little bit <laughs> just a little bit maybe to let him know that you know he's there and or maybe you do it instinctively, the question is are you aware of those distinctions so um, <clears throat> Coming out on he would stand in the yard in front of the cootie for how long I don't know, waiting for me to figure out or to come outside. But he didn't do that many times, because um, when he would come, I would I would come out to meet him. I I began to sense when to come out. For some I don't know how to explain it, but you you know that you got to go. You know, I rely upon the dogs here with that, especially when I'm in the house. But when I'm out on the porch, I kind of have a game to play with the dogs that I'm going to know what's happening before they do. But they'll be laying around and I'll know something's coming and then they'll get up and go see. Definitely. I guess I'll know it even if another dog comes in the yard, I'll know it before the other dogs do. Why? Because that's the game I like to play to be awake, to be alert, to watch what's going on, because that's what helps keep this mental system from getting all stuck in something is because we keep coming back to the various channels of so what do we see, what do we sense, what do we hear? getting come back into the five senses of consciousness, which is actually much part of the teaching of Petit Samapada, of coming out of our perception cycles and come into reality, which can be done through the senses. But we have to remember to have that openness.
2: Yeah, I guess it's because of like the kind of Western... Uh, intellectual tradition that um, sitting a child
1: down at a desk and telling them to learn the ABCs, the 1, two, threes, and on and on and on is ex- teaching exactly that. <laughs> we teach oh, yeah. our children
2: to be asleep. Yeah. Um, but just like, I think it's hard to draw the line or Westerners don't know. and I don't know. Non-Westerners might not know either. Like, where to draw the line between knowing like okay i actually know that there's someone in the other room versus like this is being magical thinking where well i think that i know all these things you know what i mean like people can exactly they think they Mm -hmm. know, they don't but then like it's weird that's why we have to stop doing
1: that kind of thing because that's coming to a conclusion that i know something rather than just keep watching just keep open don't close down with the result <laughs> don't lock this thing up <laughs> so that's exactly what we're talking about here is, is that's what's happened is we if we if in a in a way we can become delusional about what we think we know when we don't know anything that's why you have to come out on the porch to check to see if i can't pull in the yard or not <laughs> because sometimes he's not in the yard so why do you expect him to be in the yard so the other one though was be that uh just being out or someplace if i was not aware of him he would find a way of coming up behind me we would use the word sneak but he didn't have any sneak postures, he just was quiet and silent and easygoing. And he'd come up behind me and whisper several things, depending upon, um, I guess how many times he had to do that before I began to know when he was coming, that he couldn't sneak up on me anymore. But one of the things that he would come up to, he would come up and just say the English phrase not sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where did you come from? And I like doing that with my wife also. Is I'll come in and she won't know I'm there. Because she's paying attention to what she's doing rather than paying attention to her surroundings. So this is part of the spiritual awakening is to actually awake to what the body's doing. What do you experience? Can you be in a state so that people cannot sneak up on you? Because your their their presence is sensory available to you. How exactly I'm not sure. But the reality is is that you can sense things. That's why we call it sensing. It's a' it's a physical thing with the back, the body, all over the place. We can feel it.
2: And emotions. Um, pardon. Emotions too.
0: And motion.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So this is actually uh, part of the uh, of the waking up process. of uh, Waking up to these cycles of the mind and start putting space, which is then, through Goenka's method of the body scanning, is to start waking the body up and paying attention to it. The same thing is with the rising, falling, touching, sitting that's associated with the Bernese method. In fact, I probably think that Goenka got the scanning no, he got that from Ubakkin, but Ubakin got it from Ledi Sardah, which did the rising, falling, touching, sitting. so that uh, that touching part then became two-thirds of Goenka's course, the touching. So the rising and falling, that lasts for um, three days. And then the touching and perhaps with strong determination, the touching, sitting would be then uh, the rest of the, uh, the retreat. So that's how that's mapped out. But when it becomes too stylized and too formalized and have expectations to it, then people don't really get the right value out of this practice. So it's possible that they can, but that's not the only way to wake up the body. The important way to wake up the body is to remember that that's what you're on about, that you're going to remember to look at what the body is saying, to be open to that input,
3: <laughs>
1: as well as to be open to look at the kind of thoughts that you're thinking and to be open to the feelings. So, opening the body, expanding it, getting in touch with the touch of the body and the feelings. And that's where people figure out that I've had people that come and say, Oh, I didn't have. Have anxiety until I started practicing meditation. Then we talk them into letting them remember that but oh no, this agitation and worry and uh, anxiety is an old thing, you just haven't been paying attention to it until now. Here's in the body, you're actually paying attention to it and recognizing all of well That's part of that think, feel, think, feel cycle. And if you open that up and take a look at it, you'll begin to think a little bit differently so that you don't feel that way.
2: Yeah. My friend's uh, sister's boyfriend or something like that. He had like, I think a panic attack or something, you know, and he was like, I'm not anxious.
3: <laughs>
2: you know, cause it's, he's it's, not what he said, I'm not anxious. Like they took him to the doctor and stuff. He's like, I'm not anxious. It's like, I think especially for men, like, it's not okay, you know, to be open about having anxiety, you know, because it's, you know, like, supposed to have that stoicness or whatever, you know, Um, and maybe for women too. But I think especially there's a lot of pressure for men to, you know, keep emotions out of the picture. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And here the whole teaching of the Buddha is, look at that stuff. Yeah. Inspect it closely, recognize what you're doing, but we we're open to it rather than hating it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we maybe find our own shit unpleasant to smell, but get used to it. You got to clean it up. <laughs> and so you might as well enjoy the job rather than hating it all. And so that's how we work with our own mind is that when we find out how bad that stuff thinks, we don't like it at all. Exactly. We hate ourselves. We're really critical of ourselves in that regard and don't want it and try to get rid of it and all of that. This is what makes meditation so hard for so many students. This is one of the reasons why they quit is because of, of <clears throat> not getting over the issue of, um, in fact, I think that I've You might have heard me talk about this, and that is uh, the song from uh, Simon and Garfunkel. Hello, darkness, my old friend, the sound of silence, you know. Hello, darkness, my old friend. All right. Hello, anxiety, my old friend. I've seen you before and you've come again. (laughs) (laughs) And so uh, that's a very important teaching. That we have to allow the students to be okay with how messed up they really are, because that's the only way that we're going to come out of it to start making things okay. The reason they're (laughs) messed up is because they still keep wanting it to be different than it really is and not really paying attention to what's going on. And so opening up, I like that. That's what this whole little talk is all about, is open. Opening up,
2: looking. Remember to open. Yeah, I guess that's that seems really key. Then, so you'd say across the board that that's the first step.
1: Mm-hmm. That's
2: it. <clears throat> Actually,
1: that's really the only step. <laughs> is to open. The question is: Is are you open now? Opening more and more to every channel that's there in the sense of really enjoying that
0: channel. I mean, look
1: how you flip through YouTube. Sometimes you don't find anything you want, and the next thing is that YouTube's working very hard to only give you what you want. And we can be more discriminating like that also if we can begin to look at what we want. But we need to visit all the channels and really check things out because otherwise there were channels we were avoiding that it may, in fact, be quite beneficial to us. While we're stuck on channels, that are not particularly good for us at all. <laughs> and so yeah. being able to play all the channels, playing play the, all the, the notes is part of being open. And so that's why I keep coming back to the sensory openness, to be open in the sense of being in the present moment.
2: I have to I have to bring up Bach, because <laughs> it's perfect. I mean, like <laughs> with him doing the equal temperament, you know, like all 12 notes or whatever, equally important. <laughs> can't have one more. The <laughs> same
3: thing.
2: <laughs> that's what makes it so great, the openness, you know, it's the same thing. Uh, exactly. Uh, but I think another thing for me, like that, is like super, super helpful. Um, it for being open is, um, you know, turning awareness around and looking at like who is having these thoughts, right? And just that that constant question of like who is behind this, you know, it's like it always. Mm-hmm. It's the most interesting thing. Yeah.
1: Well, here's the way of looking at it: is we're talking about the observer. Right. So there is, in fact, um, this, I describe it this way that we've been talking about that parent and the child is like, here goes that machine of the parent. This is the shoulds, woulds, coulds, and all of that. And then the child gets in and starts riding that pony. And there the two of them go round and round and round and round and round. And then the wake up is, is that we begin to observe that. Aha, I am not that ride, I am not stuck in that dukkha, I'm the one who's doing the observing. right? And so that's the first part of the the process, is to come to being, I am the observer of what the mind is doing, which is the adult ego state. So in the fact now we're beginning to identify I'm the adult here, as opposed to I'm the one who's riding the merry-go-round without having any, um, uh, how to say it, choice over what the merry-go-round is doing i just have to ride it that's the victim okay and so the adult is to see the merry-go-round and it's not so merry but it keeps going around and around and around and we bring back and observe that and so now we're the camera off uh that's that's watching the merry-go-round going okay but then the next step is to recognize know the observing is part of the merry-go-round also, and I'm not the observer. The observation is part of the show. <laughs> and who I am, I don't know and I don't care. But the observation is there, and we can be uh, 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 be able to see the obs- the observer is part of the mix. Um, one of the ways that they say this is, in, um I took a course in, uh, it was actually a graduate course in, in math. It was one of the 500 courses on uh, stochastic processes was the name of it, <clears throat> uh, statistics. And the primary thing that this teacher wanted to teach above everything else was that the observer always bastardizes his own data. And there are tens of thousands of examples of that. In other words, the observer is always part of the show. He cannot not be. There is no political uh, statistical poll that can be taken that is accurate, and they know that. The best they can brag is 3%. That's not very accurate, is it? <laughs> and, and so we can also see it in bird watching. The problem with bird watchers is is that the birds are watching the bird watchers. And then the birds are more interested in the bird watchers than they are in doing what they would want to do when the bird watcher really wants to see what birds are doing. But the birds are not doing what they would be doing when he's not there. They're doing what what they're doing when he is there. This is what they call about, you know, they want duck blinds. They want to be hidden away. They don't want to have their guns out so that the ducks can see them. That's The observer, because he's out there to shoot the ducks. No, he's not. He's out there to advertise. He's out there to shoot ducks. (laughs) And so he doesn't get any ducks when he's out there. He's got to hide. Okay, so this is the whole idea. We have been trying to hide behind this observer and keep the observer hidden while this process is going on. Now we're waking up and letting the observer right out there in the open to see what's going on. And things begin to change. The observer changes the uh, uh, the data. He becomes part of the mix. That's the openness. But then we recognize that We there's still something in there that can see the observer, the mommy, and the child. And we're not any of it. We're not the observer. I don't know what I am. I don't care. All I know is that here goes this circle, this cycle going on between the observer. And his data. (laughs) So much for stochastic processes. Gamma functions all.
2: (laughs) That's some intense stuff, man. (laughs) That's intense, yeah. But I think that's like, yeah, that's like kind of like when you really talk about that, I don't know. Yeah. I think so many people. That's kind of like a scary cliff. You know. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Who
1: am I? Is a a scary topic. The Buddha talks about it. As unworthy. Of our intention. Unworthy. Of. uh, Noticing or looking at. Um, He says. What. Uh, What is not worthy of our attention is that which when we pay attention to it, we remain confused and ignorant and unhappy. And when we start to pay attention to that which is worthy of paying attention to, then we don't have that. And one of the things that is unworthy of attention is who am I? Where did I come from? What was I in the past? Going down memory lane as me. It's my memories. Going off into the future. Who will I be? How will I get there? Who am I now? What am I? Okay, all of these questions, the Buddha says, are on wise attention. This, by the way, is Sutta number two out of the Majjhima Nikaya, the Saba Asaba Sutta. But what were the What is worthy of attention is this, this dukkha. This is how I'm creating this dukkha. And when I let it go, this is what it's like. And this is what I need to do to let it go. This, right here, right now, in the present moment. So I'm thinking on this merry go round, and I say, aha, there it is. I see that. And then it all falls apart. And this leads to a new view of who I am. Who am I? I'm not any of this. That's the better of personality view. And how I got there of being who I thought I was was because all of the things, the sticks and, and uh, uh, spittle and baling wire that we use that we call our rules or our way of how we should look, how we should think, all of our rights, rules, rituals, everything like that is the scaffolding that we built the structure of who I am on. The reality is that there's nothing there except the scaffolding we built, the rules. The rules of the outline of who we thought we were, but there's nothing there. Okay. And if we would take the scaffolding down, we would see that we really did build a big structure of me after all. <laughs> that all there was was the scaffolding, which is the set of rules that wind up uh, punishing ourselves with. This is the dukkha. And we can also reckon, this by the way is the second better, is all of those rules, all of the structures, like everything that we thought would be what, that which created us. So we have to see them both together. We have to see that who we thought we were was just scaffolding after all. And when we take the scaffolding down, there's both the rules are gone, and so am I. And then we recognize the way to do this. How we figure out is by fiddling with it, and then we begin to understand, oh, this is how we dismantle the whole thing. And, how, and what that is, is the third letter, is the knowledge, which, by the way, is uh, referred to as Doubt. But what it comes is knowledge and vision of what is and what is not the path. Thinking that there is a self there and that the scaffolding is keeping it in place is uh, not the path. The path is to dismantle the scaffolding to see that there is not holding anything up or that there's nothing to it. And so, uh, knowledge and vision of what is and is not the path, then it's the third fetter. And when one gets rid of these three fetters, that's part of the definition of Sotapanna. By definition, in the suttas, that knowledge and vision that this is the path, this is the only way to live, the Dhamma is the only way to go, Dhamma is the only thing that's important because nothing else is actually fulfilling. And so we take full refuge in the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha. And this is it. This is our life. We don't care about much of anything else. There's nothing really to it after all, other than somebody else's rules about what I should be according to them.
2: Yeah. The hilarious hilarious (laughs) thing. (laughs) I, I have kind of, I don't know if this is on the path or not, but I think it is. Um, like noticing, um, egotistical thoughts, and appreciating um that I'm a creature that can even have those. You know, like telling my like when I see myself telling a story about like myself. You know, from the past. But, like that's kind of amazing that we aha
1: do- there I go again. Would be the way of thinking. Okay, now here's the point, and that is is that you've got a rule. That you're calling egotistical and you don't need that rule the question is can you see what's going on and get a load out of it can you enjoy your own show it's okay to be egotistical in fact part of the problem with calling it egotistical is because people don't like the strength that comes with knowledge and when you know that you don't care who you are anymore, which is a completely different. When you know who you are, no, you don't, but you don't care. <laughs> it's all right not to know who I am. I'm having too much fun to work out such an an, an uninteresting thing. The point is, is that people get really frightened around people who are that solid
0: in their knowledge. But uh, that they don't know anything.
1: That's power is to know so much that you know how little you actually know. And why would people call that egotistical? Is because people like that are exhibiting qualities that they don't have. Egotistical, maybe in pride and all of that kind of stuff. The Buddha was not against pride. You see, in in in, in them in the West, we have the idea of, of, of false pride, of thinking that you're better than you actually are. And that's where most people are, is their pride is much bigger than their reality. All right? But when your reality is so high that it is even better than what you used to be proud of then you can say wait a minute there's a different kind of pride and that pride is knowledge that you can handle anything that you can be friendly with anything that happens because nothing is dangerous now that's egotistical (laughs) big time egotistical (laughs) that's a lion and the Buddha was a lion
2: Yeah, No, I'm definitely, this is a, yeah, something I'm trying to parse out for myself. Yeah. Um, It's It's okay
1: to feel good about your own accomplishments.
2: Yeah, (laughs) but it's difficult because I I don't know. I feel like I. Because you shouldn't. Don't say I feel, think I think that I shouldn't. Yeah. And therefore I
1: feel bad when I do feel good. (laughs)
2: <laughs> well well, but it's not necessarily even like feeling good you know because that's what I'm saying like, well I mean in the sense of pride
1: I just said it that way so when no, you yeah, feel yeah. proud when you really feel egotistical was the word that you used when you feel really egotistical then you say oh you shouldn't feel like that that's the thought only happens in a second doesn't even have to be completely verbalized and then we start to not feel as good as we did before. So catch that duality that you have. That's why you called it egotistical.
2: Yeah, but you know what I mean. like. I, I
1: do, and I'm asking you to feel that good and not call it egotistical. Say, but, hey, that's just the way it is. I am that winner. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. I know, I know, but just listen to what I'm saying. Let that soak in. Let it soak in that you can be um, aware of what's going on and extremely pleased and like what you have. And have permission that you don't have to pay for it. later. Okay, that you do have the power and you have the permission give yourself permission to feel that good without labeling it egotistical that's not permission to do it give yourself permission yeah,
2: no, I mean, you're right. You're absolutely right. Like, I'm not. <laughs> I know I gotta, that.
1: But do you remember when you were doing this? I'm oh, not. But I, said, I got just, you to be open so that you can hear me.
2: <laughs> but there is, I mean, I'm still thinking about, there are thoughts, though, that, like, uh, see, I was about to say I shouldn't be having, but I won't <laughs> say like that. There are thoughts that are typically called egotistical that are unpleasant, <laughs> you know.
1: Uh huh. So all you have to do is recognize that you just called it egotistical, and recognize, oh, I don't have to um, feel bad and call it egotistical. I can enjoy feeling that good. Yeah. Think of an example. You can try it. Go ahead and let yourself feel really good, and then not call yourself egotistical. Let yourself feel that you are the champion, that you're the winner, that you can do that. You just did it. Right. My, okay. what a good boy am I. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, okay. Let's say I'm playing uh, a performance, right? I had some people to go on, and they play their music, and then I go on, and then I play my music, and I'm like, wow. we was way better than they were. <laughs> That's an egotistical Okay. Huh? And that, that's not pleasant. No, no. <laughs> okay, so that's what, I'm, that's what I've been it pointing. Would
1: on, it would only be egotistical if it were bad and you didn't know it and telling yourself that it was good, that it was better than everybody else. Rather than that, even if it were just mediocre, it's okay to feel better than everybody else. Because you are feeling better than everybody else, even though their music was more superior to theirs, they still didn't feel good about it. Everybody who goes and has that competition, all those musicians winding up thinking, oh, I should not feel like I'm the best one here. That's egotistical. The answer is nobody gets to feel good. Why don't you let yourself feel good? Why don't you let yourself think, oh, well, I, I don't care whether I was better than everybody else. I liked what I did. Oh,
2: yeah. but, but that's what I'm saying. That's that's the mindset I want to have, you know. And that I Well,
1: with. go ahead and do that right here, yeah. right now. You're good enough. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you're, you're, you're good enough. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. You're the best one in the room right now. <laughs> When you're on stage performing, you are the best one there. Everybody else is sitting around jealous.
0: Yeah. But it's,
1: yeah. So they know. want to be the best, but they don't let themselves be the best. But it doesn't feel... Well, no, wait a minute. Here's the other point. Let's bring this into it. And that is, what's the criteria for who's the best? Who can play notes the fastest? Yes. That he plays <laughs> something criteria. that he is familiar with and, uh, uh, and likes the song, and so therefore they like the guy who played it. Does that give them the, like, the criteria for the best? How about a per- surprise performance? Is the one who surprises the audience, is that the criteria for who's the best? Okay. Mm-hmm. Want to go from some other criteria? That's the whole point, is, is that you, you know, set the criteria for who's the best anyway. What's examine happening? that. Examine the fact that you're the one who sets the criteria, and you can start setting the criteria, so you win every performance.
2: But. I guess what I'm saying is, isn't it best to just not be setting criteria? Uh, Yes, but you can't get to that until
1: you actually can control the criteria. So you got to play with it as a toy. Once you play with that uh, toy and get it so well understood as uh, the toy of setting your own criteria, then you can set it down. So long as it's sticky, you can't set it down. You'll keep picking it back up. You can't do it that way. You got to go take it the way the Dhamma and practice it. You got to make it a toy. You got to bring it into being a skill so that you can be a master at setting criteria so that you win every time. Even when you get stopped by the cop, you win
0: every time.
1: And the best way to do that is don't compete with a cop. <laughs> Who's trying to stop you? You cooperate with him.
3: <laughs> and so
1: this, there's many different ways of winning. The question is, how can you set your criteria so that you always win? And here you are setting your criteria that makes you lose. Including that even if you are the best. You still say, Oh well it's egotistical to even know that.
3: No. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, but it's uh, like
1: Well, how do you know you're the best no, 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 or not exactly, the best? Exactly, exactly. They don't have the same criteria as you do. Everybody sets their own criteria based upon whether they want to win or to lose.
2: Yeah, I guess it's just kind of my scaffolding that I well, I don't know. I'm I don't always go into cycling. Yeah. Well, take a look
1: at it. This is what the Dhamma is all about. Start watching what you're doing. Start watching these cycles that you get into. That's what this is all about. I can't, you know, I can't go inside your mind and fix it. You've got to take the tools in there and your own flashlight and take a look. Open up. (laughs) (laughs) Open up. Take a look. It's very interesting in there. You'll find out there's no egotism in there at all. (laughs) That was just an old line that you lied to yourself with. Gosh, (sighs) that's (laughs) interesting. Give yourself permission to be potent, be powerful. And remember, (laughs) that's the whole key to it. It's always remember to look at what you're doing because you can improve this if you look. You really see what's going on. You can make it, you can turn this into, how do they say it? Make some lemonade. Put some sugar on it. Cool it off. Enjoy the drink. (laughs) Yeah. We don't have to see everything as bitter
0: or anything at all. Everything's a limit. Your choice.
1: So go ahead, play your music and be better than, I mean, at <laughs> <laughs> least be better just, than the crowd that you're around. Yeah. It's also better, as you say, to not compare yourself. Well. You can only get to the point of not comparing to yourself is when you don't care anymore. And the only way that you'll get to the point of not caring anymore is when you figure out how to win every time. And when you win every time, then you don't care anymore.
2: (laughs) I'll, (laughs) I'll be egotistical and say I've already done that. I've already gotten through
1: that. Well, it didn't work always, so do it again. Try it again, over and over and over. Practice, practice. (laughs) Did I ever tell you that old violin joke about the the student who was carrying the violin case walking down New York City looking for uh, a place, and he stopped this old Jewish man and he says, sir, can you tell me which, uh, how do I get to uh, Carnegie Hall? The old Jew looked at him and says, practice, my boy. Practice. <laughs> <laughs> That's a concept, yeah, no.
3: <laughs>
1: Right, so how do you stop the good feelings by stuffing them with egotism? Is practice. Practice looking at that and crack it open. Open it up. Put some distance in there between feeling really good and all of those rules about how you're not supposed to feel so good.
0: Set your own criteria so that you win every time.
1: That's the only way to not have any more competition is just blow them all
0: away and open the thing up. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, so You're the deep car in your own race. Put some okay. distance between you in second place. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh, Yeah, it's true. I mean, I like I like we've had this con- a similar conversation before. So you know, I have been practicing. You know, doing this very thing. You know, um,
1: <laughs> good. Yeah, yeah. So. I'm, yeah, I know. I'm 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 kind of teasing you, but in another way, no. This is needs to be repeated over and oh, over yeah. and over You need to hear it over and over and over again. You have been practicing. Good. That's why I'm here, p- kicking you in the butt again. <laughs> Let's keep it going. Let's say that this is all a bunch of scaffolding. (laughs) There's no building in it. (laughs) There's no me there. (laughs) So we have to inspect it. And one of the ways to do that is by understanding that you're already in control of the criteria. But you've been giving that control over to a set of rules. Now, you can take a hold of that criteria yourself so you can set your own rules. Naturally, if you set your own rules, you'd always win.
0: Yeah. Set your own rules. Become that winner. And don't call yourself egotistic in the process. Remember to look. You're the one who sets the criteria. All we have done And what's a better musician
1: anyway? Was Bach better than Beethoven? How good. do you compare? What's the <laughs> criteria that you used? That <laughs> <laughs> they were in. That's a part of the criteria. <laughs> one of them is Baroque, you know. <laughs>
2: He was pretty good. I, I said he was pretty good. Like, <laughs> well, Beethoven was pretty good. I think I don't know. <laughs> it has nothing to do with it, but I have to. A great piano player said that. Like the difference between Bach and Beethoven is that with Bach, you know, you're constantly in that space of like freedom and joy, you know. But with Beethoven, it's much more about the the journey and the feeling of. Getting to that joy, you know, and getting to that openness and getting to that connection with divinity or whatever, you know. But Bach, it's just effortless. It's just happening, you know. Yeah, well Bach lived
1: in the church and Beethoven lived in well <laughs> <your brother. Yeah. laughs> yeah. no problem. Yeah. That's so uh, but the still the question. Even though we can do this mu- museological evaluations or whatever, still best is subjective. at no, best.
2: yeah, I'm <laughs> not saying box. Uh, <laughs> so you
1: know? if you're the best at, at the concert, I mean, if you've got five guitar players and you play one and they play one and each one of them play one, of course you're the best. You're you're the one who set the criteria. You played the music that you wanted to play. And that's the best. I guess Now, I just, if you went in there to play one thing and you played it badly and missed a bunch of notes and stopped and hammered hard and then ran off the stage in tears, I wouldn't necessarily call that the best, but you're beyond that. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, that's the mo- That the, the, the key, the only rule, I think, to music performance is don't stop. <laughs> Whatever you don't do... Don't stop. stop, exactly. Yeah. Don't stop. The most... Yeah. Sure the show think. must
1: go on. It just doesn't matter how much you love, you that corrected. You just keep moving in tempo.
2: I swear, yeah. it's like that's like the the key. Like I go to open mics and stuff, and it's like when people stop, it's like oh, it's it's okay. Like you just keep going. Like we're doing a thing. Like we're all here. Like, but you know, I'm not. I just, don't wanna judge. <laughs> yeah, so you
1: were the best after all. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so here, here there's a question because it just doesn't it feels like it's two different things because with the practice, we're working on repeating wholesome thoughts and going back to wholesomeness or whatever, and getting that into habituation because it's all based in habituation, but if we're habituating ourselves into thinking. Constantly, that we're better. <laughs> Aren't we always going to be heavy-drawn into thinking that we're better? I think that
1: what you're talking about is what is sometimes referred to as Pollyanna. Do you know what I'm, I mean by the word Pollyanna? Basically, it was a little girl who arrived at some facility or an orphanage, or maybe she was being um, uh, a, a child uh, employee. I don't remember the, the original. But she was such a happy girl, and she found things good with everything. And then later in the movie, she gets crippled by a horse. And everybody is laughing, saying, well, she'll change her tune now that she recognizes what's real. And it didn't dawn her at all. She was still just as happy as a light. Okay, And so that's the only thing about the Pollyanna is, is that they're cheerful in spite of all the shit that goes bad. And a lot of people are like that. Um, In the sense that, uh, so they would call them, the Pollyanna would be, in your language, the egotist. Rather than seeing the bright side of life. Life of Brian, okay. Always see the bright side of life. Why should you look for the darkness other than looking at to see what's really there? And then you greet that darkness as my old friend but you still come back to the bright side, carry the darkness with you into the brightness and watch and look at what's going on. So this whole idea then about, oh no, you should not be good. You should not stand out. The example would be then would be uh, someone who goes into a factory where all the workers by contract are supposed to do so much production. And this guy does twice as fast as everybody else. They don't want him to do that because they don't want to be up to the standard that he's at. And so they want him out of there. They don't want someone to come in and do the job better than everybody else. And that happens often in any kind of business. I mean, computer people are like that. They don't want a new star to show that's better than everybody else to show up. So what are you going to do? You know, I mean, you are the best. And we both have already established that. We set the criteria so we know that we're the best. So how are you going to handle all of those people who are jealous and want to shut you up and put your guitar down because they don't want to know that you're better than they are?
2: I see the point, I think. (laughs) <laughs> and I think valuable. Um, I'm just I just you know me I have to be I, I, have to I want
1: you going. to investigate this this is why I keep harping on it over and over and over <laughs> again this is something to be seen this is in a way a rhetorical question you don't have to give me answers now this is something to go look into oh,
2: yeah. but I'm just yeah maybe it doesn't make sense to ask from a theoretical perspective but It sounds like building that into yourself, like continuously saying, I'm the best. You're, because we've agreed that the best is just scaffolding and the scaffolding is nothing. And it's just illusion. So, aren't you just habituating yourself into following illusion?
1: Yeah, can't, well, can't you do that though? I mean, can't you in fact do the delusion intentionally and get good at it? That way, you can undo the old delusions that are so stuck, so hard. We actually have to practice gladdening the mind, even though the mind doesn't want to be gladdened.
2: But you see, but you see the the counterintuitive is of that. Then. We have to. I know ourselves. how
1: counterintuitive it, it is. This is why the it Dhamma is only for the few. This is not ever going to be a popular practice. Is only for the wise, only for the few to recognize that. Yeah, in spite of all of that shit, you can still light one candle in the darkness. You still can clean off, and then you can clean some more, and then you can clean a little bit more, and then go back and clean what you just clung, and then over and over and over again. And pretty soon, we get the barnacles off. We get the stuff down. We can then scrape down to the. We can do it. We can. But we have to keep going at it. And, and in this regard, that what we're talking about is, is that we're talking about the issue of conceit. The only way that you're ever going to stop feeling like you need to compete with somebody to see whether you're better than they are or not is by setting it up so that you always win. And when you always win every time, then you say, well, what's the use? I can just, you know, I, I don't have to compete with anybody. I don't have to compare myself with any other musician or any other teacher or anything like that. I'm, I'm good enough. Enough of this competition. But <laughs> we can do that only when you recognize that you're the one who sets the criteria. And start playing with that criteria to recognize that you're the one who sets the criteria.
2: But it wouldn't work if I always told myself I'm the worst and that I'd lose every time because if that same thing then I would be like, well, I don't have to compare myself because I already know I've lost. (laughs) Yeah, but then you
1: feel bad and you can't get out of it because you don't have a chance of winning. Mm
2: -hmm. So it's a winner
1: actually finds up feeling good. Right. It has to do with how are you going to feel? Can you control how you feel or not? If you set yourself up as a loser, you're going to have the feelings of a loser. If you set yourself up as a winner, then you have the feelings of a winner. your choice. So it's really about building up positive feelings towards yourself. Yeah. Yet in, well, I wouldn't call it building up positive feelings. I would say developing the skill to, to control the feelings so that you can feel the way that you want to feel and also to build the skill to remember. That you can control your feelings right now. Because you can control your mind right now. That's really what it's all about. is Can you wake up and take control? When you yeah. know that you can wake up and take control, that's what makes you a winner. And then you recognize, hey, I win every time. I'm the one who's awake here. If you're awake too, then we're both winners. Yeah. And so another guitar. That's the other part. Is one of the other guitar players. He can be the best too. It's okay that they're two best. Let them feel as best or as worst as they want to. That's their choice. Your choice is to feel good about how
2: you performed. You're doing okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because I I don't know. That's that's one thing that I've definitely like like. Doing to me it's so much more pleasurable like watching it, like if you're performing and with someone else performing, it's so much more pleasurable to like be in the state of enjoying their enjoying. what I forget what it's called. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Sharing your joy with them that when they're performing, instead of comparing yourself to them, which is normally what we're doing, we can actually enjoy their performance. Let them have that joy. And you go right along with them. When they boogie, you boogie right along with them. All right, You really get into it and really enjoy it. Because they will enjoy playing their music better when they know that you're not there being critical of it. That you're enjoying it too. And that makes them even better musicians.
2: Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
1: And so you want them to be the best musician. In this moment. And then when you're playing, you're the best musician. In this moment.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: It's just, I think you can agree though. It's, it's, it's subtle. I mean, it's just subtle because there's so many things. If like, well, I start thinking I'm the best person in the world, but like I don't have time for anyone. Right. Cause what do they, what do they need for my time <laughs> or whatever, you know, like, uh, you but, the really where, record, right? but the
1: question is, where. but still the question is, can I decide where the criteria for that decision came from? Can I investigate that? Why do I think that I'm better than everyone else? That's the kind of reflection that I'm inviting you to look at, is to figure out that you're the one who set that up. The one who is egotistical is the one who does not see what he is doing. He just says he's the best and he doesn't even know how he came up with the criteria.
0: And he doesn't want to, because if he did, he might lose.
1: And so this is why the investigation is the important part. We've got to look at what we're doing. How do you set it up as to who's the best? Maybe yeah. just because you like it when you're playing and you don't like it when they're playing. Does that make you the best? That's one of the criteria that a lot of people have, you know. I don't like it when he's playing. I wish he'd shut up so I can play. Now I like it when I'm playing. I'm the, I'm the best. <laughs> so how do we pick it out? How do we choose who's the best? And if you can enjoy his music just like you enjoy yours, then you're the winner. And if he can enjoy your music as well as he enjoys his, then he's the winner too.
2: Yeah. I, I, I feel like I get it now it's i think like the way i'm understanding it is like those you're going to have those feelings and it's going to come up one way or another those comparisons are going to arise so it's about being aware of that comparison arising and being aware of the criteria and then being aware that okay a comparison is coming like now let me choose the criteria for this. I'm like, let me make
1: <laughs> Right, let's look at that scaffolding, thinking there's a building there. Let's look at the scaffolding we're putting in. <laughs> let's look at the stuff we're doing.
2: And <laughs> make it into a positive experience, yeah.
1: And make it into a positive experience perspective, because you're the one who's in charge here.
0: I'm glad you got it, finally. Wow, we've been having
1: fun together for quite a while dancing around this issue. That's great. You know, I'm glad you could see because you're already such a skilled drama dude already anyway. So, yeah, this is good. (laughs) Was that an opportunity for
2: Breeze? Oh, you're back. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just taking the moment. That means a lot. I got to say Thank you.
1: All right. Well, let's go ahead and finish now. This has been great. You know, thank you for calling. There's one last thing that I would like to change the subject on, and that is is that I would like to invite you to uh, think about joining the board on the Open Sangha Foundation. And so uh, I think that you're already a member of the Open Sangha Foundation uh, Skype group now. I think so. Okay, so look at what's going on there. There's an application, and if you have any questions, then ask me and we'll work it out. Yeah, probably. but at least take a look at it. And if you're interested in joining the board, then contact Parker and fill out the form. I'll leave so it what... okay. All right, thank you. I'll talk to you later. Okay, hey, you know, I'm really pleased. We'll see you later. This is Very a good, good one. Very good thoughts. Okay.